Hello, and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 130. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Enterprise's second season episodes, Cogenitor, Regeneration, and First Flight. Here we go. Cogenitor, season two, episode 22, production number 222, original air date April 30th, 2003, directed by LeVar Burton, written by Rick Berman and Brandon Braga, music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Andreas Katsoulis as Vissian Captain Drenik, F.J. Rio as Vissian Chief Engineer, Becky Wallstrom as Vissian Cogenitor, Laura Interbal as Velo, Larissa Laskin as Kayla, and Stacey Renna as Tristana. While exploring a hypergiant, Enterprise makes first contact with an alien race known as the Vissians, and the two starship crews begin to intermingle. Commander Tucker becomes intrigued when he meets a Vissian couple in the mess hall, accompanied by a third member of their race, and he learns that the being, which has no name, is a cogenitor, a third gender in the Vissian biology. Cogenitors are needed to complete reproduction. Since cogenitors only constitute 3% of the population, Vissians must apply to have a cogenitor assigned to them when they intend to conceive a child. She killed herself. That can't be. Why? It's my fault. I'm responsible. You're damn right you are. Cogenitor. You know, I remember this bothering me a little bit when it first aired, but boy, it really bothered me this time. Okay, so objectively speaking, this is this is a good episode. You know, um, it, it's it's dramatic, it's engaging, yada yada yada. But it bugs the heck out of me because I just feel like, oh my god, every time everything Trip does in this episode, it's like. It's not in. It, it's not the character that we know as Trip. He, he's he's smarter than this. I feel I feel like embarrassed and offended for the Federation, <laughs> or, or excuse me, for Starfleet. There is no Federation. Uh, for Starfleet, the way he's acting, it's it's just it it blows my mind. And I don't remember being quite this upset before, but I really am this time. And it's and it, but it upsets me so much that it's not like I'm saying, well, look, it's a really good episode because I'm so like, um, you know. I have such an visceral emotional response to his actions or something. No, I, I think it's wrong that I don't think this is what his character would do. I don't think, you know, I, I, I think he, he's smarter than this and I think he's better than this. And I think it's just flat out, it's just so offensive. And, you know, when he's like, when he's, when he has dinner with them under false pretenses just so he can scan her or when he's lying to them so he could sneak into the, like, how, how does he not see how wrong this is? When he's speaking with the, I don't know, I'm I'm jumping right right into all this. Sorry, but it really bugged me. Uh, you know, when he's speaking with the cogenitor and 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 he's like fundamentally questioning this entire species that he just encountered for the first time ever. You know, what if he talked the cogenitors into not doing their jobs anymore? He would have literally destroyed a species. <laughs> wouldn't have produced any more offspring. You know, I mean, this is really really crazy, and this is like such a basic level of thought to get to reach these conclusions how can trip you know so far in the future from us today not how is this not obvious i mean would they have possibly done this show on the other star treks are they just saying well this wouldn't have happened on the other treks it happens here because humans are just you know they're they're 
they haven't evolved as much as they will have culturally um, by next gen time or something. I, I don't know. So tell me, do you did you guys have the same kind of reaction that I did? Um, do you think this could have been done on another show? Do you think this was in keeping with Trip's character? Can you see how this could have happened? Um, I don't. For me, I don't think I was that um, <clears throat> upset as you were about this. The only thing that I could, because I don't remember seeing this, might have been the first time I've seen this episode because I don't remember it from way back when. Um, the only thing that I can think of, the only thing that kind of bothered me is that there's no, he, he, he did such a bad thing and there's like not any kind of really bad repercussion. I think I put, would you demote him for doing something like this? And, but, and you don't see it in any other episodes. It's kind of like in the next two episodes that like it never happened. And this is like a really bad thing that he did. Um, I can see where you're coming from for it being so out of character for him, but maybe that's the point they were trying to make. Is like, yeah, humans are immature. They're going to make these stupid mistakes. And they just decided to use Trip as an example of this. Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's a little bit out of, it's a bit out of character, certainly. You know, he just kind of like, I'm going to start making these kind of choices and just roll with it and nothing's stopping me. I mean, that's odd. But you know what struck me? I mean, and I, I agree with your points, but what struck me most about this is I question Archer's leadership, and specifically at the end. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have um, addressed uh, what Tripp did, but my problem is is that it made it an entirely like angry, emotional issue. There was no evidence that he took action to, like you said, demote him or take away some kind of privileges because it's not consistent with our policy. Instead, it was just a... He just got dressed down. Yeah, you you irritated me, and I'm irritated, and this is an emotional response, and emotion, emotion, emotion. And I guess, well, I should be used to this with Archer, but it kind of bugged me because I didn't feel that was good leadership. I felt like it was just kind of like, I'm upset and disappointed and blah, 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 and angry, 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 and what are you thinking? And it's and oh, the biggest point you're responsible for someone killing themselves is basically <laughs> what I got out of that. Mm -hmm. right. And so how is that helpful? That's not emotionally helpful, and it's not consistent with what can possibly be any kind of uh, Starfleet policy in terms of how they actually discipline someone for an action like this. So I thought all around it was problematic. Yeah, which I guess you would Picard would probably give more of a somber speech and then demote you or something. You know. Well, so when you think about what's the entire purpose of this vessel and their mission – you know, it's not to 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 battle the Borg or something. They're out there to explore. They're out there to meet new species. And as somebody, I think it might have been him, says at the beginning, it's it's nice to like have such a pleasant encounter, you know, and everybody's so uh, open to sharing knowledge. And we see that go both ways during this episode. And so this is almost like the ideal. Uh, uh, alien encounter for mm -hmm. Enterprise. And uh, Trip couldn't be more oblivious. And I just I, I I don't understand that. And and if you if you do that, so this is what I'm getting at from what you guys are saying, if this is entirely their purpose and this is their I mean Enterprise's purpose, the ship and its mission and its crew cruise mission. This is their purpose. These are the ideal aliens for them to encounter and learn from. Uh yeah, how does the guy that destroys that 
<laughs> um, to say nothing of of uh, being responsible for someone killing themselves or being responsible for that that family never having the baby they wanted to have. Um, how does the person that just destroys this this encounter with this species, one of the first um, by humans on their first deep space vessel, mm. right. how does he get nothing but a well, tongue 30 lashing. second dressing down? Yeah, tongue lashing, sure. You know, that doesn't make any sense. And he's one of your main people on your show. You can't fire him? Fine. This shouldn't have been, This should, he wouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't have had a problem if maybe they did demote him or give him some sort of punishment, and then you could have maybe have. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they could have gone that way, but then that would have really changed. Right. The it's probably just about a, yeah. It's probably was just two or three years prior to that kind of thing being done on episodic television, you know. But but yeah, I mean, not. I had a problem with that. If it's such a serious deal, don't take don't take some kind of serious action, and then instead. Put that kind of guilt trip on somebody. Nobody, nobody deserves to be told that you are responsible for someone killing themselves. You know, and and that's what was done. And 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 again, I'm it's like I'm talking about leadership things about you know fiction here. But the problem I have is with it came down to we're addressing the consequences and not the behavior. Well, consequences that's that's a chance thing sometimes you know the the what you need to address is here's what you did here's what we expect here and so on you know mm-hmm. anyway that's my thing but in a weird uh, way it was a good episode <laughs> it did have something to say i, well, I, I enjoyed it yeah we're talking about it it's interesting yeah. um but i mean so- i thought it was it i don't remember seeing you know, we're, we're talking about. I don't remember seeing a a main character screw up this bad in an episode. Of I had any no of start, the series? Of any of the series, can any of you? Well, what are we uh, back on? Uh, what was it? Oh, Worf in DS Nine is what I kind of thought of a little bit when when Cisco dressed him down for the whole going back rescuing Jedzia and all that. That one episode. Yeah. Or maybe oh, when he right. when he destroyed that cargo ship. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was thinking of the cargo ship one only because Archer has a line here when Ar- when Trip says after Archer informs him that the cogenitor killed itself, uh, Trip says I'm responsible, and Archer says You're damn right you are. And that reminded me of Cisco saying, <laughs> <laughs> "What did he, it was damn was in there. It was like you're damn right or something. Like I sh- I should have I should have." Uh, scan the ship first, or something, and Cisco right. has a has a line with "damn" in it. <laughs> so he reminded me of that <laughs> one. <laughs> it must be in like the captain manual. If you're really mad, use right. the word "damn." Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that could still be broadcast on television, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, I I can, you know I kind of enjoyed some of the stuff with um um not Tucker um. The other interactions, like Reed and yeah, then. Reed. Yeah, I have written down sex and guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, that my that that line line that made me it made me laugh out loud in this episode. What does she say? Um, oh man, uh, I want to scare. Trying to remember what she says. Oh, I'm anxious to see your tactical array. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, read that line completely out of context. What, whatever, fine. But that's pretty effective when 
<laughs> when it really does mean something else in that scene, you know? So that was, that was cool. That was fun. I enjoyed um, the lighting they had in the mess hall with the, with the hypergiant. You know, they had the nice sunlight from outside the, coming into the ship. What else? Uh, oh, I like the, the alien ship kind of felt more um, next gen-ish. And it's technology and stuff. I like some of the stuff with um, with Archer and the other captain, you know, uh, flying around the the star. I thought maybe they maybe there was one too many scenes of that, but um, you know, I like that stuff. Um, um, Flock seems to have readily video. Oh uh, yeah, that's funny. I have pictures. With <laughs> <laughs> well, a big Billingsley. smile. Yeah, you can really tell he enjoys that. I mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, he kind of relishes it. The way he delivers those lines, there's some relish there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, uh, to Paul, there, there's no question. Of course, she, she has such... It's not even... It's beyond just respecting this other culture. Like, it wouldn't even occur to her, these things. Mm-hmm. She's, she's confused whenever... Whenever Trip says something, when he he says something about her referring to the cogenitor, and Tapal's like, "Why do you call it her?" You know, and so matter of fact. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I can't, I'm just going to keep going back to this, but Trip respects the captain, and maybe some he he seemed to think he was doing what the captain would do. Okay. Doesn't he respect Tapal because? She made very clear, you know, this line that he was pursuing was wrong well before he crossed the line, you know? Um, why, and why wouldn't he listen to her at all? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I remember this bugging me when the, I first saw this episode, but not nearly as much as it does now. And I guess... I was trying. I was. I was thinking about why. You know why that is, and I think it's the older I get, the more, the more I respect um, other cultures, even if I don't understand them. The more I respect diversity, um, and I think that's because the older I get, uh, you know, when you when you're young. Um, you're the center of the universe, right? Um, and the older I get, the more I see my incredibly tiny, infinitesimally tiny, tiny place in the universe, you know, and, and why wouldn't I? Aren't all these other things equal? I don't know. So why wouldn't I respect something, whether or not I understand it? I don't know. It's just so, like... I mean, you know, it's. I agree with all the points, but on the other side, just play devil's advocate. I mean, it's it's kind of that thing. Uh, clearly, I mean, again, I don't think that this is consistent with his character, but it is. Um, if you take the attitude of like an individual ethics kind of attitude, like a um, that the good of the one is better than the is more important than the good of the many, and you have that kind of independence kind of viewpoint, you know, you can see how you could go down this path of wait a minute, is this what's best for you? Are you just giving in to the group think and all this kind of thing? You know, I mean, I'm sure that's what they're trying to say that he was doing. Yeah, you know? but I think it's just, it's it's that they literally just encountered this species. Right, you know? right, right. I think if, if it had been 
months actually much better years right of mm-hmm. seeing the species seeing the understand until you really kind of can understand their their structure but he has no idea no idea he's mm-hmm. seeing you know two or three people in a room on one ship light years from their their home yeah. planet you know and that's it and 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 he's and he's ready to declare their entire way of life offensive and mm-hmm. in need of repair Mm-hmm. You know, and there's kind of a, a fundamental lack of of empathy and a fundamental ignorance that uh, I don't believe Trip it, it would employ because I think he's smarter than all of this. But they wrote it, they shot it, they cut it. It's canon. That's who he is, and this is what he did. And and I have a hard time rectifying mm-hmm. that with the treat I've trip I've come to know and love. So this is a tough episode for me. It really is. Um, um so would you been maybe more right if they'd done it with another character? And if so, which character? I don't because I don't have the problem any, with the any primary line. character. I don't know. I mean, it would have to be it would have to be some you know lieutenant that's that's only been on two or three episodes. But you know, one of your main primaries? Oh, God, I don't think so. But I still like the premise that you know what they're trying to show is that humans are, in this particular time, they're not as advanced as you know, Kirk or Ricard or, you know, in dealing with this kind of stuff. So I do like the premise is that they're going to make these mistakes. And, you know, so I like that they're saying that in this episode. I'm just wondering if, if, they, if you're thinking maybe they could have done it in a different way and if it would have worked for you. Yeah, I remember there being a little bit in Star Trek VI, uh, you know, which is toward the end of Kirk's time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gorkun's daughter, maybe, you know, saying something, questioning, like something that Kirk says along along the lines of everybody deserves, you know, these inalienable human rights, you know, and she's like, listen to yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you, you're, you know, you're casting these values your human values on everybody else and uh, but it, i mean it was one little thing it wasn't such a fundamental um attack the way the way i feel trip's done here um what do you guys i think this episode is about <laughs> in a weird way i think we've been talking about that about that this whole podcast we've gotten into a lot well, of um, the, the reason i'm not sure that's true is cuz i really am saying what bugs me here is that it's it's a character is doing something that I don't think is within his character, and it's very counter to the entire mission and purpose of the ship and its crew, and in a way, the show. You know, um, and they could have told the same story using different people, and illuminate and ask the same kind of questions: what's it about, or whatever. And I'm saying, you know, and there and these can be worthy questions to ask. Probably we haven't quite covered that yet, but but that's a different that so so what I'm saying is that's a completely different thing than me saying uh, this isn't Trip and he's better than this and this is offensive what he's doing. Um, so my complaint I don't think is has 
directly what to do with what the episode is about. You, you know, you, I mean, is that a fair distinction? You understand the distinction I'm yeah. trying to make? Maybe I'm failing. No, I no, I understand. I was just okay. wondering if there was if there was another way to if you thought they could have done this episode that wouldn't have thrown you off so much. So, how do you? What do you guys feel that it's about? Well, it's um, I kind of have I've written down when um, where interfering crosses the line. You know, there's this actions have consequences. There's these kind of things that they're trying to say in this episode is like when you interfere when you're basically ignorant to the situation, then bad things can happen for sure. Um, it's the uh, yeah, I think it's like ethics isn't clear cut. You know, if you you can talk about ethics that uh, favor the rights of the individual or rights of the whole, and there are times when it they don't coincide. In fact, maybe many times. And so, I think it's it's kind of a, it's kind of about that to me. You know, I mean, you know, it's. You you could talk up and down about it's not right that they use another sentient being, and you see the consequences of upsetting that issue. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think we've put in plenty of time on cogenitor. So, let's do six degrees for cogenitor. Yay, six degrees. Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Laura Interval plays Velo, the Visian that gets pretty friendly with Reed. In Voyager's fifth season in the episode Dark Frontier, she played Seven of Nine's mommy. Her first name was Aaron. What was her last name? <laughs> so, yes, I'm asking you for Seven of Nine's human last name. Right, right, right. Jeez. Oh, you remember well i'm not asking for her first name but i mean if you remember her first name that'll automatically well, make it's last one of these i haven't thought about in a long time <laughs> yeah. it's kind of on the tip of my tongue um i just don't recall right now mr caesar <laughs> yeah i feel the same way i'm gonna feel like i'm gonna feel silly when you tell us what it is so hansen 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 mm. i was thinking like patterson or something like that uh, i believe seven's name was Annika Hansen? Ah, yes. And uh, her mommy's name was Erin Hansen. All right, uh, Adam. Andreas Ketsulis appears in Trek for the last time in this episode as the captain of the Visian vessel and Archer's buddy flying over the star, naming the Romulan that he played in four separate appearances on Next Gen. Oh, man. The name of the Romulan. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Listeners out there are calling us silly. Steve. <laughs> so Tomalock? You're correct. It was yeah, Tomalock. And for not bonus tell points, he lived huh? in your apartment complex when you yes. moved out. I'm not going to tell yes. that story again, but I will always bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> and he died a couple years after this episode. So, uh, yes. If, uh, listeners, if you haven't heard that story, <laughs> there is a laundry room meeting that is a fascinating, <laughs> fascinating L.A. story. All right. Uh, Steve has one. Adam has none. Moving on. Regeneration, Season 2, Episode 23, Production Number 223, Original Air Date, May 7th, 2003, Directed by David Livingston, Written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, Music Composed by Brian Tyler, Guest Cast Include Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Jim Fitzpatrick as Commander Williams, 
Chris Wine as Dr. Moninger, Bonita Friedrichsey as Rooney, John Short as Drake, and Paul Scott as Lieutenant Foster. A team of researchers discover remains of a crashed spaceship in the Arctic Circle, finding several humanoids with cybernetic implants frozen into the wreckage. Two bodies are taken to a nearby compound to be studied. The scientists marvel at the nanoprobes that begin to repair the long-dead aliens. Suddenly, one of them seemingly dead subjects attacks the scientists, assimilating them. Using scavenged wreckage to enhance the transport, they then escape into space, upgrading it with a faster-than-standard warp drive and weapons. What is it? A cure of sorts. It contains a neural toxin that will terminate my synaptic functions within a matter of seconds. Aren't you jumping the gun a little? I have no intention of turning into one of those cybernetic creatures. Man, I'm just going to say this episode is shockingly exciting to me. Start to finish, it's so well done. I remember at the time when they announced that the Borg were, I mean, they made it clear the Borg were going to be on Enterprise. And I remember thinking, ah, what a cash grab. You know, they're just trying to, they're shamelessly trying to get more viewers because it's not good enough and uh, the ratings aren't good enough and they're just going to start plucking whatever they can for next gen, whatever. This episode was so exciting and and so well executed that all those thoughts went out the window, I remember, when I saw it. So that's the first – that's me uh, right out of the gate. Uh, Adam, why don't you get us going on regeneration? No, I agree. I like the the first contact um, connection with this episode. I honestly, I actually have never seen this episode. I know that for a fact. I just never seen it when, so it was. I was been looking forward to this in season two, so I didn't really know anything about it going in. So, yeah, I love the um, first contact connection. It took me probably like two seconds to be like, "Oh, sphere." I think when they <laughs> said sphere, and I'm like Antarctic, and I'm like, "What?" Are, you know, because the whole opening is kind of, is very different than you know 99 percent of the other. You know Star Trek. You know, yeah, it's like ten minutes watched. before we even see. Yeah, the it's no main characters. It's yeah, all. It's, it's kind of this whole other storyline that sets up this episode, and it's yeah, like I said, it's like a good ten minutes or so. Um, the te- it's the teaser, and you know, ten minutes into the episode, so the whole setup is really um, interesting. Yeah, what a great teaser! Mm-hmm. You know, Borg buried beneath the ice. Yeah. <laughs> How cool! You know. Um, and then yeah, then you you know basically the next two thirds of the episode is um, Enterprise you know, hunting down this, mm-hmm. this ship they don't know anything about. So it's kind of nice to, as, as from an audience standpoint, you know much more than the main characters in this episode. You know everything that's going on in this episode before the characters do, which is normally may not work, but in this case it does. Steve, some of your first thoughts? Yeah, I remember at the time that I thought it was um... – you know, relatively speaking, it was close to the whole, you know, well, obviously it was just a couple of years after Voyager and just a few years after First Contact. And I thought, well, obviously there's going back to milk the whole Borg thing, but maybe just being removed from that time period, it, it makes it, you can be more objective about it. And, you know, it's like, oh, this is interesting how they tie that all in. And it, it is exciting. And um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. It's interesting. It's certainly a good action fun episode or whatever. There was one fun, funny moment. <laughs> I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. Um, the, the security guard that 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 is in sickbay with Flox. 
when uh, the Borg jump up and, you know, infect flocks and everything. Uh, shortly thereafter, you know, Archer's in there. You know, that security guard is completely worthless, right? <laughs> uh, and then not too long after that, Archer's in there with flocks and flocks is talking about he's been infected. And he checks out the security guard and says, you have not been infected. And Archer says to him, stay here in case there are any more problems. <laughs> and I was like, what? His response should be, but sir, didn't I just suck at my job a lot? You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's good- well, I, I think we clearly stated in um, um, the first one that um, Archer doesn't like to punish his officers. Oh, right. Uh, sure. It's okay. You can do it. <laughs> Well, that was you, you're allowed to let to, to get to let Fox get assimilated only one more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After that, buddy, I'm sending you to a different room. Right. He, he would have been like, you know, it's your fault that he he is. You yeah. Stay there and you're, think about that. You're damn right. You're responsible. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's your fault that he's become a cybernetic being and is killing other members of the crew. It is. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, um, what's great about this episode to me is just how much how much stuff is just there's just always something going on and multiple things at once, you know. Even in the slightly more mundane moments, you know, you've got reads like I better I got to beef up the weapons, you know, and 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 trips trying to figure out what they were doing in that one area of the ship. But even that, like, not even that, like the more actiony moments, you know, you've got. All this stuff going on, and then all of um, kind of I don't know. For example, near the end, Archer and is it Trip right, or is it Reed? Reed. Reed, huh. right? Archer and Reed beam onto their vessel, you know, and all of a sudden, um, back on Enterprise, we've been boarded. You know, it's like it's great. There's just all this stuff going on, um, and it's very fast. It plays a lot more like a modern. You know, a lot of the times, yep, most of the time, when we're watching this show. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this feels like a show that was made in the early 2000s, right? This episode doesn't to me. This feels a lot more modern, a lot more modern. It's a lot faster, um, a lot of overlapping stuff. Um, well, I mean, it, 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 it felt like, um, you know, it, it took, um, you know, it felt like a Borg episode. It usually, you know, a lot is going on in a Borg episode, even, you know, Next Gen, Voyager, that kind of thing. You have all these different fronts going on and different things going on in some of the better Borg episodes. So they were able to use that here and it was I think it came across well. And they're, and they're constantly running into the incredible uh, technical abilities of the Borg. I love that line about, you know, they've doubled their top speed in less than 12 hours, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's crazy. Well, yeah, uh, it's kind of similar to when um, Picard and them, um, they found the Borg the first time. Yes, yes, they're always um, so formidable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the music, the music is great in this episode. It's very different from a normal episode of Enterprise. Just like like the rest of this episode, it's just so actiony and 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 fast. It's great. It's really good. Um. So yeah, this was an episode that I was skeptical about, but it sold me based on its sheer quality. Um. And I'm I'm glad that they never really they didn't go back to the Borg. You know, if you wanted to be picky, Archer looks at some pictures that were taken down there, um, in the Arctic Circle, and to an extent, 
those look like Borg pictures of Borg. You know, if 200 years later, 250 years later, you were looking at those photos, you'd be like, yeah, these look just like our Borg. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, maybe they slightly violated some continuity or canon mm-hmm. by making them so clearly Borg. You know, you could have easily just made the pictures blurry or something happened. I don't know. Um, but other than that one little thing, I think they do a pretty good job of, I, and what I'm saying is, you know, having those, having that, that physical evidence, those, that documentation in, in form of pictures that would have obviously stuck around for 200 years. Um, right. Uh, so they would have known what they were, they would have had, they would have realized they'd encountered them before, like in the Q, in Q who next gen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's a, you know, that's a minor thing. There are ways to explain that away. So with that one exception, I don't, I think that this, this episode does a pretty good job of, of having Borg show up as baddies without violating canon here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. So that never bothered you guys. No. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um. Well, one thing that's kind of bothersome is that Flock seems to like practically found a cure or something to, <laughs> you know, almo- almost. And it's like you should record that somewhere. You know, you might need it later <laughs> on. Yeah. And obviously, his species is fairly resilient to them, but yeah. um, yeah. Well, I don't recall it being them being able to transform. I mean, because they transformed a card back, it was they were able to take the nanoprobes out of them in the future. Yeah, they? apparently. They didn't well, have to radiate themselves. The, maybe that radiation would kill humans. I don't know. Mm-hmm. True. I know I'm reaching, but it's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. I like those bits, too, with Phlox, you know. Um, boy, it's pretty dark, that shot when he's in there screaming in pain. The camera's, like, pushing down onto his face. That's not a very... That's not something we see in a lot of episodes of Star Trek, maybe in a couple of the movies, but it's pretty dark, you know? Mm-hmm. Near the beginning, whenever uh, the researchers, you got that researcher alone with the Borg, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's all those little sounds, and he's looking around. I mean, that's that's pretty spooky and pretty dark, you know? Uh, I thought it was very effective. I'm, I'm mostly just trying to point out, um, it seemed like, just like so many other areas of this episode, it was going a little farther than they usually go. Mm-hmm. And I thought it worked. Um, what's this episode about? Um, don't underestimate what you don't understand or know. It's kind of what I got from it. You know, that especially in the beginning, you're like, oh, you know, we can just let them thaw out here. They'll be fine. How that th- we were talking about that whole opening scene. What the? <laughs> There's what a whole lot of bad yeah, ideas. Scary. Yeah, lots of bad ideas. Even Flox, like I don't think they're going to be. Uh, <laughs> two scenes later, he's he's assimilated. Um, you know, there's also something to how far Archer goes. I was thinking about this. Um, he blows those two out of the airlock. I mean, that yeah. really feels like wow. I can't believe mm-hmm. he did that. You know. Um, I mean, it's great that he did, but he's got some kind of a good leadership instinct there that he knows that he's got to, he, they got to go, you know, no matter what. They, um, They're already gone. They're already dead pretty much. Well, he doesn't really know that. He's doing it because he's got to save his ship and he's, you know. Yeah. 
but then even at the end he he comes around to to Paul's point of view and realizes there's nothing else he can do for the people left on that other vessel and he destroys it um, Steve what do you got for what it's about well I would agree pretty much with with what uh, Adam said on that I don't have much else I mean you, basically it's um, if you do if you if you have no information on something, you can't take anything for granted. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's one of these episodes that I feel is heavier on action and excitement and less on the kind of message and so on. So it doesn't surprise me there's not a big, deep thing to talk about in terms of that. All right. So to me, a very, very exciting episode. It'd be fun to like watch this episode you know, back to back with a bunch of Borg episodes. Yeah, you could probably spend a whole day on just yeah. the Borg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but where would you watch this? Episode. Where would you? Would this be at the end? <laughs> would this? <laughs> well, beginning? Would you do First Contact at the beginning? Hmm. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I guess you'd have to watch First Contact first, especially if you've never seen it. That's gonna make it feel anticlimactic, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did watch. Um. Uh. You know, I I didn't buy the. The standalone discs, Blu-ray discs, because I bought all the seasons of Next Gen. But I know they had special features that were only available on those discs. So I've kind of had them like in my Amazon watch list. I'm like, ah, if the prices get seven, eight bucks, maybe I'll buy. They uh, best of both worlds finally got there, so I picked that one up. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I was maybe slightly underwhelmed by the extra features on there, but I watched it in my little my private theater at um, mm-hmm. at my post house. And, God, those episodes are so darn good. It's oh, really good, really fantastic. But this podcast is about Enterprise. Oh, real quick, I was I was amused by the scene when Archer has DePaul in his um, ready room recorders, you know, telling him about um, the story, Zephyr and Cochran. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can almost see the look of DePaul's face. <laughs> That's crazy talk. I like that it's, it's easy to see Cochran... Maybe a little slightly inebriated. Start just start talking about yeah. that at a commencement speech. <laughs> <laughs> and they were from the future. <laughs> Too bad they didn't. They couldn't. Didn't have the budget for the video. I actually, get him to do it. Cromwell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do six degrees for regeneration. Uh, Steve has one. Let's see. Who did I give the choice to last time? I don't know. Me. Adam, do you want to go first or second? I'll go first. All right. Um, not really traditional six degrees here, just trivia because they didn't really come back. Bonita Free Fred Reese plays the scientist Rooney, one of several that end up more Borg than they'd prefer. In real life, she is married to which primary Enterprise cast member? Um... Scott Bakula. No. Steve? Uh, John Billingsley. You're correct. John Billingsley. Steve has two. Uh, Steve, uh, don't feel bad if you don't get this. I don't actually expect you to, but I couldn't possibly see this guy and not ask about this movie. Chris Wynn plays Dr. Moninger, the scientist that thinks having a weapon is enough while he spends some quiet time with a couple Borg. He played Alden, Kiefer Sutherland's character's brother, and one of my, that's Brian, top 10 favorite movies of all time written and directed by 
Ernest Thompson, and also starring Robert Downey Jr., Winona Ryder, and Bruce Dern. It came out in 1988. The title of this movie is A Year in the 20th Century. Name the movie. I, I don't know. I don't know. Adam? The title of the movie is an actual year in the 20th yes, century? Yes, it is. Yep. It's a year. It is not 1988. <laughs> That's the year it came out. Um, damn, I don't know. 1969. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that movie. I love that movie. And then uh, this year, they, they it was finally released on uh, Blu-ray, which I was really surprised about because it's – I think it was distributed by MGM, but it was such a little movie. Um, and like a, a third party like Olive or something picked it up for Blu-ray. So I was very excited about that. Our listeners don't care about 1969 because it has nothing to do with Star Trek except – but this guy was in the, the movie. <laughs> Trust me, it's good. It's a great movie, people. Check it out. All right, let's move on. First Flight, Season 2, Episode 24, Production Number 224. Original air date, May 14th, 2003. Directed by LeVar Burton. Written by John Sheban and Chris Black. Music composed by Paul Belergen. Guest cast include Bridget Branig as Ruby, Vaughn Armstrong as Admiral Forrest, Keith Carradine as A.G. Robinson, Michael Canavan as Vulcan Ambassador, and Victor Bivine as Flight Controller. <laughs> As Enterprise is about to investigate a dark matter cloud, Captain Archer is informed by Admiral Forrest that his former Starfleet colleague, Captain Robinson, has died in a rock climbing accident. Archer, seeking solitude, decides to travel into the nebula in a shuttle pod armed with spatial charges to excite the dark matter. DePaul, noting that the Noting that captains are prohibited from traveling off-ship unaccompanied, joins him, and while underway, she coaxes him into telling the story of the Warp 5 program on Earth. You did everything by the book. You burned the midnight oil in that simulator. 18, 20-hour days. You shut everything and everyone out of your life just so you could be the first. And you still don't understand. Starfleet doesn't just want a great pilot. They want a great captain. First flight. Um, who has not started an episode today? Uh, probably me. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I like this. Um, I think it's interesting in terms of kind of providing some backstory for Archer and for uh, the series as a whole, too. And um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's fantastic, but I think it's a, it's a good episode. I, I enjoy seeing that and, and kind of seeing the develop, seeing uh, some of the aspects of Archer and how they came into being and so on the, in terms of finding that balance between um, following the rules and playing it safe versus um, taking some risks to get what you need and so on. So um, I like it. I think it's interesting. Adam, some of your first thoughts here? Um, I agree. I like the backstory on Archer. You get a little bit more um, reason of his earlier animosity towards maybe Vulcans, that kind of thing. Um, it's always cool to get a nice backstory, and they did this. I thought they did it in a interesting way. You know, a loss of a friend, telling the story of this um, DePaul going out there with him, and you know, like I said in the synopsis, that she kind of forced him to kind of deal with this with her. And it's um, yeah, it's definitely an interesting backstory, and I I do think it's a it's an Enjoyable episode. Um, um, I would watch it again. 
Yeah, I think I, I, I feel about the same as you guys do. Like, I like the... Um, I like the idea of this episode probably a little bit more than the realization. Um, but it's it's a good idea. It's a good story. It, it's nice how important it winds up feeling, not just for Enterprise, but for all of Star Trek. You know, like I can see, I, 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 it's easier for me to see the through line of this episode to like the original series, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something we don't get a lot of. Um it you know, feels... Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, um, well, we haven't been on Earth. I don't can't remember we've been back on Earth, so it was kind of nice to go back to, to Earth a little bit. I know didn't you, when we started this, didn't you say Braga, um, they kind of wanted to start Enterprise off on Earth? and then Yeah, that was the one stars. of the things I was thinking I watched this. It, it, this feels like, like in, a, in a tiny, tiny way, uh, a piece of their original intentions for the first season of Enterprise. You know, like it was kind of kind of be the right stuff uh, as a show, and you know, it, they're building the Enterprise. They don't. Even, they, it ends maybe the first season with them getting into space. Maybe um, that's kind of how I always remember this. I always remember this. I think of this episode as the right stuff episode, but it's um, yeah, it has some some issues that I would that I would probably quibble with. Um, the, the 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 working as a flashback is is sound, but I don't find uh, the stuff with T'Pol and Archer what the, whatever they're doing that Dark Nebula terribly interesting. I definitely feel like they go back to it one too many times. Um, I feel like they needed to have something more happen um, during the flashbacks. It's uh, well, for example, there's a huge section in there when. When uh, Forrest comes and sits down with them in the 602 Club and tells them Starfleet's pulling the or pu- putting the NX program on hold, and that's like a scene. And then the next scene is just um, AG showing up. We're like in that in the 602 Club for a really long time, and there really isn't anything surprising or new or anything happened there. I mean, it, it just feels like we're in that one place for way too long. You know, structurally, it it makes it 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 makes it so by the time the AG and Archer have that fight, there's not a lot of energy left in the scene. You know, I'm kind of bored. I guess is what I'm saying. By the time they get there, so it kind of takes some of that power away. Um, the, these are little, you know, minor kind of comments. These are the kind of things that make keep it from being great and just make it good. But but I think what I like about this episode, like I said, it, it's two things. It's it's its place in Star Trek, you know, it feels very, very important. It feels like um, none of Star Trek ever happens. None of the Federation or Starfleet happens. None of the exploration that defines what Star Trek is for us happens without this episode. So that that is great. And then the other thing that makes me enjoy watching this episode uh, is Carradine. He is fantastic. He's awesome. <laughs> I remember at the time being like, "Oh my God, he's going to be in Star Trek," you know. He's, you know, he maybe he's not so much anymore, but he was he was big. He was like somebody that I was very surprised that Star Trek was able to get. Um, and Bakula and Carradine have such they have fan, the, the fantastic chemistry. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I think those guys could just sit down and talk about nothing for an hour, and I'd probably watch it. <laughs> you know, it's it's really interesting those two together. Um, so I think those are the things that um, that keep me interested in this episode, even when you know maybe it cuts back to the present one too many times, and I don't care about a pretty dark matter nebula or whatever. Um, or they spend too long in the 602 club, whatever. I, I kind of just end up forgiving all that stuff, and I just I just revel in the great performances and chemistry. I revel in all the Trek lore, all those mission patches in the background that you're like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you don't even have to see them, and you know all that stuff is Star Trek stuff, right? Um, it's not just generic. Um so this episode definitely has enough to keep me going and it's and it's keep me interested and it's and it's easy to remember this episode um probably better than some episodes that might be better. I think I remember this episode better than Regeneration. I would probably say Regeneration is a better episode. No, no doubt about it. I think Regeneration is a is a better episode. Um but in a weird way, if I had to pick one, this is the one I would want to have. You know? I got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did, was that a thing to you guys at all? Do you remember them casting Carradine as being like, wow? I mean, did that happen? I mean, that wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like stunt casting. I don't mean that. I mean, he, he was just a very fine actor that didn't seem to do like TV kind of stuff or whatever, you know? Um, no, I didn't, I don't recall being surprised or Steve. I think I was less, uh, privy to, um, to, you know, movies and TV history and actors mm-hmm. back then than I am now. So, yeah. Well, there was some other like, uh, Trek lore type stuff. Well, I guess Enterprise lore, you know, we see Tucker meet Archer for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. His name kind of comes from his nickname um I, I love the little line he has about tucker is on captain jeffrey's engineering team yeah <laughs> yeah that's cool can't help even if you don't know who matt jeffrey's was you know you would think about the jeffrey's tube mm-hmm. jeffrey's tubes as, as being a kind of a thing living within the trek universe um so yeah there's just there's lots of cool stuff like that you know um was there a particular scene in this episode you guys liked the most? Apparently not. <laughs> Definitely not. No doubt about it. I was a little decking him in my head. Sorry. I was a little quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of like the scene. I'm, it's probably not a better scene in the, the episode, but I, I like the scene at the end with DePaul. Um, you know, she says he should name the... The nebula after should be called the, the Robinson nebula, nebula. Seems more appropriate. I think I just kind of like that um, that little moment between um, her and Archer. I know, it, like you said, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with what this episode is is or about. I just kind of like that moment between the two of them. Kind of stuck out. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a favorite moment really, but kind of off what you just said there. I mean, again, we've talked about many times before about how T'Pol is the uh, most comedic funny <laughs> person on the ship but it's also it's you know if you think about the how amazing it is how in tune she is with people's emotions and understanding where they're coming from given 
her species and her background, you know, if that, I mean, it'd be like, you know, try to imagine the most foreign culture you can conceive of. And then you drop a human into that and they somehow just understand them better than they understand themselves. You know, I mean, that's kind of what we see out of her a lot of times. It is touching how she's obviously trying to, um, I guess, console, for lack of a better word, uh, Archer. Yeah. Yeah. How would you rate today's three episodes, best to worst? Or I should say your favorite. To, well, that's a, I just I just explained how this is a totally different answer for me. <laughs> but I'm well, curious, like a best to worst. Well, I mean, um, the first episode, we I mean, we had a pretty long discussion about it. I mean, do you, did you dislike the episode? I couldn't. I didn't know if it was. No, I, I that, thought it was a, an effective bit of drama. I just thought it was. Cogenitor was was fundamentally violating um, the character of the character. Trip? Okay, yeah. so it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to say. I mean, we so yeah, it's three... yeah. That's a good point. You know, so it's an interesting day. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a quality episode that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's, it's kind of a weird. That's a, a weird episode that happen. I dislike. That doesn't uh, happen often. Really, first flight is an episode that isn't as good as probably isn't as good as Cogenitor. But I like it more. I like because I like it because of the reasons I talked about already. You know, uh, the Trek lore, the great casting and stuff. Um, so yeah, today is definitely a day where if you ask yeah, me, what say. are your favorites versus what do you think are the best, it would episode. be a different list. Well, the most entertaining episode is Regeneration. No doubt. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what do you think uh, First Flight's about? Um, taking risks in life. They kind of have that theme in there. You have to, you have to, you can't just walk a straight line. Sometimes you have to seize opportunities and I don't, I don't take it. (laughs) You have to seize opportunities and you have to take risks to do that. Some of the things I had down. Yeah, Yeah, I I know. I'm aware of that because I think they said it in almost every scene. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely about like, uh, there's that element of finding that balance of you know you, you have to you have to take risks assume, assuming they're calculated risk based on convictions you know and and then against the i mean obviously if you if you're convicted and you take risks that are flying the face of the current convention you're not going to get anywhere you'll probably get put away or whatever but if you it's finding that balance and then and then in doing that ultimately can get you where you need to go while accomplishing the objectives you want and staying true to your convictions. Yeah. Yeah. Also think the episodes about friendship, um, Mm -hmm. obviously for Archer, it's two different kinds of friends, a friend from the past that he's no longer going to see. And then to Paul, who is going to be one of his closest friends probably for, you know, the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Cool. All right. I feel like we've uh, feel like we've covered it. Let's do six degrees for first flight. Steve has two. Adam has none. Goose egg. Yes. Um. So I'll let you go again, Adam. Are you going first or second? You know what? I'll go second. All right. Crazy. Steve. Michael Canavan plays the Vulcan advisor that advises against using that crappy Archer engine. In DS9's third season, he helped Thomas Riker steal the Defiant. Name the episode. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Jeez. Was that the one called the Defiant? <laughs> you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I'd be tricky and leave uh, the name. Don't feel uh, bad, Steve. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, that is the Defiant, or am I tricking myself out of thinking that it's that or Tom? No. <laughs> no, seriously, I thought the same thing. Is it Tom is the episode called Thomas Riker? <laughs> Just Tom. <laughs> Uh, Adam, Victor yeah. Bevine plays one of the flight controllers helping Archer help AG. Name the feature in which he plays a security guard that could have wound up in the previous episode of Enterprise we just discussed. I'm sorry, repeat the question. I, I, yeah. Name the feature in which he plays a security guard that could have wound up in the previous Enterprise episode we just discussed. Um, first contact? You are correct. He gets assimilated. He plays a security guard that gets assimilated in first contact. All right. Uh, three, one, Steve. Or no. Yeah. Three, one, Steve three, takes one. it for the day. But it wasn't a shutout, so that's all right. All right. So we're going to be back in a couple weeks. Maybe because that would be posting on Christmas. I doubt I'll do that. Maybe a week we'll, we'll post a day or two early uh, for our annual holiday episode, during which we do not review episodes of Star Trek. We will not be reviewing episodes of Enterprise. Uh, if you only want us for our traditional programming, we totally respect that. We'll see you back in a month. Uh, but if you would like to hear our thoughts on lots of piddly, silly stuff, come back in two weeks. I will tell you, I will give you one hint about what we will be doing. We've got a few people lined up to join us. We're going to be talking about uh, the new Star Wars movie. We will have all seen it by then, and don't worry, I will load it up with... Um, I will make it very clear so that you can skip past the discussion if you haven't seen it and you don't want spoilers. I'll make that very obvious. Uh, but the other thing that means we will be discussing that day, as we just found out, is the first... Uh, what I assume will be a teaser for the new Star Trek film because they announced that that teaser is going to be ahead of the new Star Wars movie. Um, so if you want to hear our thoughts on that, catch us in two weeks. Oh. So until then, thank you so much for spending an hour with us. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion, or you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. Until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See you. I passed it.